0: up on this week's episode of news of the week for episode 341 of the ylp podcast it's the go home show y'all before the four-year anniversary show goes down next saturday and i'm quite excited about that but before we get to the fun stuff we have to take care of a little business first and what do i have on tap this week well as y'all know money in the bank went down last saturday and we're going to be talking about all of that. You know, what were the best matches? What were the worst matches? Did WWE get it right with this year's winners of Money in the Bank? I'll discuss all of that in this week's episode. Also, what would be News of the Week without all the news that's fit for me to talk about? And that includes, of course, shouty Blackheart deleting her Twitter Following money in the bank. We'll discuss all of that as to why she deleted her Twitter and what she had to say to fans criticizing her performance as a whole. You want to stick around for that. Also, apparently, there is news from sports from thesportster.com that this meeting between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, that's supposed to go down in three weeks' time may not be the last time we see these two standing across from each other in the ring. And may God help us if that's the case. I'll be discussing that. Also, you guys may have missed this one, but um, we know that there's been uh, this company called Wrestling Entertainment Series that is uh, being led by the uh, former Office of Pain in WWE. And as far as we know now, This show has been canceled, and according to WhatCulture.com, it's been an absolute mess. We'll discuss all of the details of what is going on, what WES said, and what talent are saying about this as well. All of that and more on this week's episode for episode 341 of the YLP podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the go-home show before the four-year anniversary show, so you know we got to end this properly ladies and gentlemen this is episode 341 of the YLP podcast let's hit that intro let's get it started and with that being said let us begin greetings everybody this is King Ricky Rose your general manager here at Wrestleatic Radio and your host of Kings of the Rings podcast but right now right here And right now, you are listening to the Stephen A. Smith of Wrestle Attic Radio, the unapologetically poignant, vibrant, and ferocious Young Lions Perspective, hosted by my man, Zachary Rozica. Enjoy the show. What's going on guys, Zach from the Wrestling With Issues Podcast here and welcome to episode 341 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Saturday and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world! Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast and as always... I greatly and truly appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 340 episodes of the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to hit me up at an email over at YounglinesPerspective at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice message over on anchor.fm slash perspective, anchor.fm slash Russell added Radio, over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, and anywhere else you listen to Podcast. It is Saturday, July 9th, two thousand and twenty-two. Hope you guys had a fantastic week. Hope it was productive, kick-ass, and all things in between. And you are continuing your weekend improper YLP fashion. All right. So before we get into the news of today, I want to talk to y'all about my week. Um, pretty solid week, if I say so myself. Um, of course, uh, Fourth of July happened uh, this past Monday. And myself and Miss YLP, uh, we're of course making sure Mr. YLP Jr., A.K.A. Milo, um, was in good, good, uh, good hands because you know, he is not too uh, much of a fan of fireworks. So we had to make sure. I'm just fixing my mic. Excuse me. Excuse mm, me. So we get that into a proper position for my voice. But yeah, we had a solid week this week. Of course, we celebrated Fourth of July. Like I said. No, we sat. We actually sat on our back deck and watched all the fireworks that went down, in, where we live in Colorado, and it was just really fireworks everywhere. So it was actually really, really nice uh, to see that. To sit out, have a nice little drink with the, with the lady, and uh, watch fireworks. And it was like it was it was probably a damn it was a damn good show all across the board because there was like a few of them that we got to see. So like I said, from the back deck, we had a pretty solid view of the show. So kudos to the people doing the fireworks shows. They they did fantastic. It was all lovely. And all that good stuff. Also, Wednesday, uh, myself and Miss YLP went to uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater. I actually went to see the Halsey concert. Um, if you saw them on my uh, Instagram story, you can follow me over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. I posted a couple pictures up there um, from, you know, from this show. Because it was my first concert at Red Rocks uh, ever. Um, I've been to Red Rocks before. I visited here um, four years ago. Uh, visiting a buddy of mine. And uh, we went to Red Rocks, like one of the last few days I was there during that week, and uh, we went to Red Rocks, I got a picture there, so it was really cool to be there actually for an actual concert, um, I was merely there for the acoustics, and I wanted to see how the show went, show was pretty good, um, as a whole, Miss YLP was enjoying herself, having the time of her life, and I was, you know, there, you know, enjoying the entirety of uh, the show itself, um, I put it on a good show, I'm not going to front, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Halsey. I don't listen to her music that often. That's not saying I don't respect her as an artist because she puts on a damn, I'm not going to lie, she puts on a damn good show. And um, so to see her in concert was a really cool, it was a really cool experience. Uh, but I was mostly there just to see, you know, how the acoustics were and how, you know, they put on a show there at Red Rocks. All, overall, they do pretty damn good. And uh, it's one of those things where I believe it's a bucket list thing for a lot of people um, for me, I mean, living literally 40 minutes away from Red Rocks is pretty damn cool in and of itself. So, uh, more things to enjoy about Colorado as a whole, but yeah, that show was pretty darn good. But what happened after the show, I think was the funniest. Um, so we were, um, everybody, we were, of course we were heading out back into our parking lot, getting into the car and we had uh, to start heading home. And, um, apparently, uh, we were waiting very, very long because someone had drove off the road, damn near hitting a fence um on the way out so <laughs> and i don't mean to be a dick or anything a laugh about the situation because it could have been a lot worse than it was um a tow truck came out actually pulled it out of the ditch that was there and uh the person uh the person uh and i guess their uh whoever they were with their significant other partner who it may be um they were able to actually get back in their car and drive away scot-free and it wasn't that uh it was a big situation you know there i, I saw uh I heard a few people clapping and whistling for, you know, the you know the good deed that was done. Um, and so that was... So we had to wait about, like, 20 minutes for that to take place and uh, get every, everybody out of there. We got home around, like, 1 in the morning, and uh, it was it was just a good night overall. It was something that Miss um, YLP was definitely looking forward to, for sure. And, you know, it was a good time. It was a good night overall. Um, 10 out of 10 experience, but do it again in a heartbeat. Um, if you're ever in Colorado and... There's maybe a certain artist that's going to be performing there. I would say, honestly, it's worth the money. It's worth the experience and something you can actually talk about. And the view you get, you get to see all of Denver in its wonderful glory. We actually got to see it um, standing where we were. We were actually in the, like, the center part of Red Rocks, uh, the amphitheater itself. So we got full view of everything, um, full view of the city. I saw people taking pictures of it. It's a, it's a really nice place. It's definitely a tourist spot, but also a spot for us locals here now, as I am a full-fledged Colorado now and have been... <laughs> <laughs> for less than a year but like, hey it bees what it bees, it is what it is it was it was a good, it's been a good week overall um so I, I'd say my week has been solid to say the least and um yes I mean i was uh scraping popcorn ceiling off in miss ylp's office this week uh earlier before I actually recorded i got the um wood off of uh, her closet and, um, you know, because we're going to be making, a whole, making her a whole new closet system, uh, a more functional one for her closet. So that's going to be a fun thing to do um, with all of that. But enough about me uh, rambling about myself. You didn't come here for that. You didn't press play to just hear me talk about my week. You came here for four simple words. News of the week, the show where I, Mr. Wild P himself, discuss all the news That's fit for me to talk about. So let's get into the news. And we begin over at WrestleTalk.com. Shotzi Blackheart apparently deleted her Twitter this week. Following Money in the Bank. This was written, of course, by one Taylor Sanchez. Let's get into the news. WWE. Actually, before I even start, let me get my professor glasses on because, uh, Things. Oh, also, this is not a sponsored thing. I'm just saying, if you are trying to get glasses for a very affordable price, um, you can actually. Uh, Zenny, Z E N N I. Again, this is not a sponsored thing. It's just uh, something I like to support because these glasses I look fire in, and uh, Miss YLP likes me in them. So, um, you know. Ha! <laughs> ha! feel me? But um, yeah, definitely these. I, I wear these glasses pretty much every time I do a show. And also if I'm working on uh, other things outside of uh, the YLB podcast. Uh, We've got the blue blockers on there so uh, from the screens itself. So it definitely helps my eyes and all that good stuff. But anyway, again, no, enough about me rambling about things. Let's talk about the news here. WWE SmackDown star Shotzi has deactivated her Twitter account after addressing the reception to the women's money in the bank match. On Monday, Shotzi... Shared a statement to social media revealing that she cried after reading some of the criticism of her performance in Saturday's ladder match. The star noted that she wouldn't have done anything in the bout that she didn't think she couldn't have done safely before joking about a future Batchamania appearance, writing, and I quote, There are three things I care about at the end of a match. Is everyone safe? Did everyone have fun? Did the crowd react? Nobody got hurt. We all had a blast and the Vegas crowd was hot, hot, hot. I felt on top of the world after that match and was so excited to finally have my first hardcore match in over a year. I wouldn't have done anything I didn't practice or thought I couldn't do safely. But I'm not a wrestle robot. I'm human, and slips happen, especially in a chaotic, unpredictable ladder match. I can take a joke and laugh at myself. One of the first things I said was, I can't wait to see that spot on Botrymania. But comments like, you should be fired, and other terrible things admittedly hit hard. I have to wipe a few few friends... I had to have a few friends, I'm sorry, wipe tears off my face and slap some sense into me and remind me who the F I am. That being said, all my haters can suck my big, giant, hairy mangoes. End quote. Shotzi has since deleted her Twitter account. Her Instagram account is still active, with most Shotzi most recently updating her Instagram story 11 hours ago at the time of writing. That post on her Instagram feed was from October 2021. Ladies and gentlemen of the YLP realm, I'm gonna tell you to y'all like this. Um good for on Shotzi for actually doing that. I know people who uh, do take social media breaks every now and then, and I've been considering doing it myself. Um, possibly somewhere down the line and all that good stuff, but you know, we'll we'll see we'll reach that point when we get there and cross that bridge, of course. Excuse me. But this is good for Shotzi. I think Shotzi did the made, made the right decision. Um, And this goes back to, I guess, my ongoing crusade against the IWC uh, for acting a goddamn fucking fool. Because that's what y'all are doing. Botches happen in professional wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. We all know this to be true. We've all seen plenty of botches in our lifetime, even from some of the very best in the business today. At some point, they've botched. It happens. We make fun of it. It goes on Botchamania. We make fun of it even more. And we go about our motherfucking day. But for those of y'all out there, and of course none of y'all, hopefully, are listening to this podcast because, you know, we cool like that. And we actually respect uh, the craft that's going on in the ring, regardless if there's a botch or not. Now, again, to the, IW, to the rest of y'all goons and goofies in the IWC Y'all want someone to be fired because they botched. Y'all want someone to lose their livelihood because they botched. You want someone to be released and taken out of the company because they botched. Do y'all motherfuckers have anything else better to do with your fucking lives? Seriously, this is a serious question to y'all. Do you have anything else better to do with your fucking lives? Do I go on Twitter and talk shit every once in a while? Yes. Is it usually warranted? Nine times out of 10 absolutely. fucking Of course, the opinions and comments made here on the YLP podcast are strictly that. Opinions and comments of my own. But wanting someone to be fired... Because someone messed up a botch. And yes, I saw the spot. I watched the match itself. Shotzi botched on a what look like an electric chair drop. And she didn't, you know, have the balance and all that stuff. And, and, I mean, honestly, yeah. Did I recognize it was a botch? Yes. Do we all recognize that it was a botch? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, and then we fucking move on. In a match like a Money in the Bank ladder match, shit's going to happen. Botches are going to happen. Spots are going to be had and injuries may be had during the match. It's the nature of the fucking beast. Damn, this cold brew hits, I swear. Mm. Again, if y'all want to get that, yeah, trust me, here. y'all want this cold brew recipe from Ray Drummond, the pioneer woman. Uh, me and uh, Miss Wild P, we are big fans of her. And uh, we have her cold brew recipe, and it is quite fucking delicious. And the strength of it is just. You can't you can't get I I don't even I mean I made to swear off lattes and macchiatos from here on out that this cold brew hit in this week. But uh I digress At the end of the fucking day I will never or at least attempt to with my, with the best of my abilities never attempt to wish someone be fired Because they fucked up a spot in the match Never. It happens. Michael Jordan has had bad games. Tom Brady has had bad games. Julio Rodriguez has had a bad game or two. Your favorite player, your favorite team will have a shitty day. Ask any NBA team that gets blown out by 50. Whether they had a bad day at the office or not. It happens. It happens to you. It happens to me. It happens to everybody. You're gonna have a bad day at times. But am I going to be criticized for it? Probably. Are you going to be criticized if you fuck up at your job? Probably. But no one's going to be asking you to, you know, wanting you to get fired. No one's going to be asking you to, you know, do whatever the fuck y'all goofy say on fucking Twitter. But no one's ever going to fucking come out and ask for you and ask for you to get fired because you fucked up on a certain thing at your job. You'll get reprimanded. We, we we learn from the le- we learn the lesson and we fucking move on. So does that mean? Do we go on Twitter and then shit on Shotzi or anybody else in the fucking roster for that matter? Because of their performance. No, and you shouldn't. And she had every right to actually deactivate it. Everyone had fun, everyone no one got hurt, as far as we know, and the crowd was hot for it. I'm happy for Shotzi for doing this. I'm not mad at her one bit. Hopefully the mangoes really ain't hairy though, because I know there's a lot of dudes on, on social media that be uh, that are fawning over black uh, Blackheart. And as I always say here, uh, fellas, say it with me if you know the rule. If you know the whole saying, I am just a man. I am merely just a man, and we pray that the, mar- the mangoes ain't hairy. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but seriously, guys. Like, guys, girls, you know, all y'all, seriously, seriously, this, this is, this is bullshit. We as the IWC need to do a lot better with what we're doing because, um, there was a certain someone that got, that committed a suicide. Hana fucking Kimura. Yeah. Y'all forgot about Hana Kimura, huh? I didn't. I still don't. Thankfully the, thankfully, the motherfucker that was doing pulling that shit is in prison for it. Maybe we need to consider start doing that, too. But, hey, seriously. Just because someone had a bad performance, can you criticize the form? Yes. Should you be, you know, making comments like they should be fucking fired because of it? No. That's their livelihood. They're going to have a bad day at the office. It happens to everybody, including... You goofies. Seriously. It's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. And you know, before I even get into the remainder of the news for this particular segment of the show, let me get into some other bullshit I need to talk about. Okay? Because I was hearing the past couple of days about Chris Benoit. Or if your name's Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit. And Kirk Angel. But, uh, I digress. So I've been hearing, you know... Uh, I believe Jordan Grayson made some comments about Chris Benoit this past week. And it whole started a whole fucking thing. And actually, Chris Benoit at one point excuse me, was actually trending on uh, Twitter because of it. I think I'm going to go the route of Paul Heyman on this one. Paul Heyman had said, you know, Chris Benoit in ring. One of the top five guys I have ever seen perform in my life. But what he had done many moons ago is unfucking forgivable. And he actually said, fuck Chris Benoit. As I mean, y'all, I mean, granted, yes, Chris Benoit was a hell of a fucking talent. He had the world at his feet. At one point, he and his best friend Eddie Guerrero winning holding championships. Chris holding the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Eddie Guerrero holding the uh, WWE Championship. After WrestleMania. Beautiful moment. But at the end of the fucking day, Chris Benoit committed a a double murder suicide. And even Paul Heyman was like, Y'all can take, take that CTE argument and shove it up your ass. Basically, that's what he said. And... At the end of the day, when all is said and done, his actions that went down in the early 2000s do not warrant the man a Hall of Fame spot. They do not warrant him any accolades post career. He deserves none and shall get none. Again, you can take his entire career, which honestly is one of the like. You could honestly say he's one of your like one of the best wrestlers to ever have ever done it. Let's get that. Let's not get that twisted. Man's went over to Japan and shit and handle business. Canada, U.S., Mexico, all over the fucking world. But we do not, especially here in the YLP realm, we do not excuse the actions of what Chris Benoit did back in the early 2000s. We we will never excuse that. At the end of the day, Chris did what he did. So in my mind, Chris Benoit deserves fucking no accolades. No Hall of Fame spot anywhere in the world. He is a man that ended the life of his family for no fucking reason at all. Was Chris Benoit probably going through some shit? Yeah. Did he have the right to kill his family? No. You never excuse that. WWE will never give him a Hall of Fame spot. The same reason why I am in agreeance for Sonny losing her spot in the Hall of Fame. And anyone else that decides to pull some bullshit should never receive a Hall of Fame spot. Ever. Ever. In the history of fucking ever should Chris Benoit go into the WWE Hall of Fame. Y'all want to be mad at that? Y'all know where to hit me up. But seriously, Chris Benoit deserves nothing. You commit a double murder suicide in your life. You deserve nothing. You deserve no praise. When you think Chris Benoit, I first thing I don't think about is his career. I think about what he did to his family, and that immediately reminds me that yeah, he fucked up. Let's not excuse. You do not excuse that. And, as far as the whole Vince McMahon situation goes, we found out before I've actually found out before this recording that Vince McMahon gave twelve million dollars over a sixteen year span to four different women. the most was i believe two thousand five dropping seven point five million on a former on a former female wrestler in the company. I don't excuse that shit either. And personally, at this point in the fucking game, if more of this shit comes out, the more I am inclined to state that Vince McMahon should honestly step down for good. CM Punk said it best. This company will not... I'm paraphrasing here. This company will not get into a better position until he is gone. When CM Punk said dead. But until until Vince McMahon is gone, WWE is not going to get any better. And we all know that. I was looking on, on my Twitter... And seeing you know Sean Rousep saying you know nothing you know more of this you know get he needs to go no creative nothing he does not need to be anywhere near WWE he shouldn't even be anything near creative and I saw news of if I let me make sure I get this I'm gonna look this up real quick because um cause I believe Vince McMahon had some comments uh, following um you know him coming back uh, backstage and saying fuck him. Do, 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 do. I can't even spell today. Words hard. Yeah, after yeah after the uh, this is from Wrestle Talk. Um, after SmackDown appearance, he said "fuck him" in response to uh, all the allegations. Fuck him. Fuck you. How about that? If more of these keep going on, Vince McMahon needs to do the right fucking thing and stand down for good. Will these more than likely mean anything in the long term? No. To most people, it won't. Oh, I got a hand of chocolate from that Gold brew. That's mass. Um, But seriously, if more of this comes out, and if it starts to be to a point where it actually becomes true, Vince McMahon should have no choice but to step down for good. Get out of the way. Give Triple H the fucking keys to the kingdom. Get fucking Kevin Dunn and uh, Bruce Pritchard and, um, well, Donald Lardas is already fucking gone, so he can go eat a cock. Um, get get the old guard out. Bring the new guard in and let's get some real fucking wrestling popping. And make the promise that you made to us four years ago that you're going to do better. Because as far as I'm concerned, that promise still hasn't been kept. And you've broke that, broken that promise many moons and many Time Taney's over. So fuck that. More of this comes out, Vince McMahon has no choice but to step down. Deal with your legal issues and walk away. And let WWE get to a point where fans actually want to watch your shit again. With that being said, we shall continue on with the news. As we head over to WrestlingInc.com New Japan Pro Wrestling announces plan to incorporate women into U.S. product. This is from Ross Berman. Bushiroad is looking to the future. NJPW President Takami Obari and Bushiroad Chairman Takaki Kadani spoke at a recent press conference about NJPW's upcoming plans and had very good news for American fans of NJPW's sister promotion World Wonder Ring Stardom. The women's wrestling promotion will be incorporated into NJPW's North American expansion. The announcement comes in the wake of NJPW and Sardom announcing a co-branded event in November and is a boon to fans of both promotions. NJPW fans, especially those in the United States, have been clamoring for female talent on the shows for years, while Sardom fans have wanted to see collaboration while NJPW swallowing the popular all-female promotion whole. With a strong pool of independent wrestlers to draw from in the United States, having stardom wrestlers compete at NJPW of America shows would give female talent more opportunities to be seen by stardom decision makers and fans, as well as more opportunities for stardom itself to be seen abroad. Founded in 2010, stardom was purchased by NJPW's parent company, Bushiroad in October of 2019. Since the purchase, Stardom has been featured more and more on NJPW's yearly Wrestle Kingdom events, starting with dark matches prior to the 2020 Wrestle Kingdom event and culminating in Stardom Aaron matches at September's Wrestle Grand, Grand Slam events. Excuse me. And then, Wrestle Kingdom 16, which saw Stardom wrestlers Tom Nakano, Saya Matani, Mayu Iwatani, and Starlight Kid featured in a tag team match on Night 2's main card. At the recent Forbidden Door event, the AEW Women's World Championship was presented as a vaguely as being vaguely AEW versus Stardom, as challenger Tony Storm is a former World of Stardom champion as well as SWA champion. The move to integrate the two promotions without reducing one to a division, as opposed to its own company, is similar to the way the Cyber Agent Company is running its CyberFight subsidiary which is comprised of the popular promotions Pro Wrestling NOVA, DDT, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, and Ganbare Pro Wrestling. I love this move. I love this move. I've been kind of keeping an eye on stardom in uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling and all this stuff for a little bit of time now. And I've like liked what they've been bringing to the table. And I know a lot of fans um, going into Forbidden Door were hoping to see uh, stardom talent um, coming to the fold. And for New Japan to announce the plan to incorporate women to the U.S. product. And as most of y'all know, I am an advocate for women's wrestling. I actually want it to be seen as much as the men's. Um, but they got to come correct with it as well, just like the men's side does. So let's, not, let's make sure we get that one thing straight. I love this, as I stated before. I think this is a great way for Stardom to start getting shine in the U.S. I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for Stardom talent to come into the US a lot more. And I think, and I remember talking about this when NGPW of America first became incorporated, I was quite excited for this with the simple fact that New Japan was starting to get into it, you know, onto the America shores. And on top of that, being able to um being able to showcase their stuff to American fans, which is a very big fucking deal because honestly Y'all know I've loved pro wrestling as much as anybody else in the world. And for the simple fact that, you know, we're starting to see more promotions come over to the States and do work in the States. Uh, promotions like Progress have done it. I believe, I think Rev Pro may have done a little bit. I might have uh, referred to my boy, uh, Brother Jermaine on this one. Uh, if Rev Pro has actually come over. Um, I know, you know, Will Ospreay is the current British Heavyweight Champion, so he's representing Rev Pro as well. Um, we're starting to see, you know, more NJPW talent. Come over to the uh, um, to America because of the fact that they have Ring of Honor as well, and Ring of Honor and um, New Japan have had a good, re- had a decent, solid relationships over the years. And um, personally, I, I believe in my mind that this this is going to be a great opportunity for uh, fans of female wrestling and fans of wrestling in general, um, and fans of Japanese wrestling over in, across the across the pond there in the Pacific. Um, I think it's a very very smart move on uh, NJPW's part I think this can do wonders for not just NJPW but for starting to start getting their name in the mouths of American wrestling fans across this country I think it's also for North America as well it'll definitely enhance the product hell I still remember when Progress was starting to come over and doing shows in Boston and New York and DC and uh, started to work there and started to get into the fold there which I think did big things um, for Progress as a whole which I'm still happy that they did that But, you know, WWE ain't the big boy anymore. You know, we got AEW and we have NGPW of America. And we're starting to see other promotions pop up and Ring of Honor and all this good stuff. So fans want to see a a solid product. But we also want to see proper diversity and variety in the sport itself. As far as as I'm concerned, it's getting to a point where WWE ain't going to be the top dog for much longer. And when you're seeing moves like this for New Japan, this, this it's not only helps New Japan, but also it, it greatly helps stardom. You know, there are a lot of big names over there. And there's a couple names that were in stardom that they compete in the U.S. Io Shirai being one of them. Kairi Sane, who just went back to Japan, was an ambassador of WWE for a hot second, before, but she came from stardom. Blair Davenport used to be in stardom. Jamie Hayter Used to be in stardom. They were tag champs. Davenport and Hater At one point. Storm's been over there. There are a lot of talent who have gone over to Japan and done very well for themselves because of it. Then came into the United States and became even bigger names because of it. So when you see talent like my yu Starlight Kid, Tom Nakano, all that. Now coming over to the States, this will pay dividends for both sides. Especially for stardom. I think this will be a big boon Big boom for Stardom. I think they're gonna, you know, you know, hit their numbers and do quite well for themselves. And this is honestly one of the better moves. And New Japan is definitely, you know, becoming a major player in North America as well. They should be. And I can't wait to see, you know, what they do with NJPW Strong. Will they incorporate Stardom talent there as well? Will NJPW Strong, uh, maybe somewhere down the line, have a a, a strong women's championship? Who knows? But now with New Japan making this move, they can start to begin that process of possibly getting, you know, a championship on NJPW strong, featuring talent, you know, across the country, names in Japan who may not be known to Americans but are big in Japan, will get their get their chance to actually showcase their talent for the American folk. It's going to be fun. It's a solid decision and kudos to New Japan for making this decision. Shout out to uh, Takaki and Takami for this one. To Kidani-san and Obari-san. I'm sorry. Got to be proper with my shit. But seriously, this is a good move. I can't wait to see what they do. And uh, as far as we know, and Tony Khan has stated, um, Forbidden Door 2 next year is going to happen. Has been confirmed as far as I know until something changes. But think about this now. New Japan is now now opening the door a year early. And that way, allowing stardom talent to come across to the States. And then you never know. They may be featured on AEW Dark, Dark Elevation, possibly on a future Forbidden Door show. Excuse me. It's going to be fun. And I can't wait to see exactly what they do with this going forward. But um, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, digress from there and move on to the last bit of news for this particular segment. This, of course, the opening contest of our show this week. And we're going to have to be a little bit mad to end this segment. From thesportster.com. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Of course, y'all y'all know three weeks from today, the last man standing match will be taking place. But according to SportsJour.com, SummerSlam 2022 meeting, SummerSlam 2022 meeting, I'm sorry, might not be the last Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar match. Oh, fucking joy. Let's see what Alex Hogler has to say about this. In three weeks... Long-time rivals Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar will meet at the SummerSlam 2022 pay-per-view in a last-man-standing match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. WWE is hyping this as the, quote-unquote, last-ever showdown between the two wrestling legends. The advertisement for the matchup at WWE.com starts off with, quote, one last time, one last match, last-man-standing. Uh-huh. Given how much WWE has relied on this rivalry rivalry over the last few years, it's obviously difficult to think that this would be the really this will really be the conclusion of their program. For fans of the uh, Reigns Lesnar rivalry, don't get too worried. Unsurprisingly, WWE may very well end up coming back to this program if the circumstances call for it in the future. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that whole one last time stipulation may not actually stick, saying, quote, There has been a promotional push of this match as a last time ever meeting between the two, but we are told that they don't think it's that's official because what if we need it again due to an injury situation or another situation where they have someone fall out of a match like Orton did here and Lesnar is called because it's such a big show. SummerSlam 2022. Will mark the sixth one on one meeting between Reigns and Lesnar, if you exclude the WrestleMania 31 match that was interrupted by Seth Rollins. I don't, it's seven. They also faced off at WrestleMania 34, the Greatest Royal Rumble, SummerSlam 2018, Crown Jewel 2021, and WrestleMania 38. Lesnar took the first two meetings, but Reigns responded with three consecutive victories. John Cena and The Rock headlined WrestleMania 28 in 2012. The tagline for that event once in a lifetime. And yet, those two men will go on a headline WrestleMania 29 one year later. Super Showdown 2018 was headlined by Triple H versus The Undertaker, and WWE hyped it as a final meeting between those two. And yet, Triple H and Shawn Michaels as Generation X would go on to face Undertaker and Kane in a winning effort at Crown Jewel one month later. The lesson here? Take it as a grain of salt whenever WWE builds up a match as a final showdown between two all-time greats. It's not going to be the last time we see this. It's not. If y'all remember a report I talked about a few weeks ago here on the podcast, I discussed uh, the article that being you know um, WWE's lack of depth and you know Roman Reigns not showing up for shows um, is gonna is gonna be a problem for WWE going into the summer. And I've stated. And, I've still, and I'm still on the mindset of WWE is going to have a very long, dreadful summer because of it. Now, as we look to three weeks from today, and we head towards SummerSlam, this is not going to be the last time we see Brock uh, Brock and Roman go against one another. And honestly, here's how I feel about it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of this feud. This needs to end. But here's the problem. with the roster so de- With the main roster so decimated... And stars and not being built up. And I know there's some people out there that think, but they're building a bunch of team. One person does not make a fucking roster. Let's keep that in mind. But also, on top of that, when you don't, when you have injuries like Orton, when you have Riddle pretty much being written out of the picture after his loss to Roman and never being able to compete for the WWE Universal Championship ever again. Um, you know when you have you know guys like Seth Rollins and Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Bobby Lashley and all these guys and they're not being contenders for the world for the world championship for the top championship on both brands. There's a fucking problem. Lesnar cannot continue to be your fail safe. When Lesnar came out a couple years ago on uh, a couple weeks ago I should say on SmackDown, I was I was upset. I was pissed. I was pissed at the fact that. WWE had to go back to the fucking well and get Brock. It's a joke. It's an absolute fucking joke. Because at some point, Brock and Roman can no longer be the saving grace for WWE. It just can't. It's going to get to a point where fans are... Hell, fans are already tired of this shit. They're already tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing this. But it's exposing WWE into showing that they have no one else to rely on. Hell, we. I'm still trying to figure out why they didn't pull the trigger on Reigns and Nakamura a couple months back. That would have been a matchup I'd like to see. I would have liked to see that. I honestly would have liked to see that matchup. And if you bring back NXT version of Simsuke Nakamura, yeah, I would have been all for that. But that's the problem with WWE. They don't want to build up anyone else. Regardless of what the arguments are and all this shit. They did it for theory, you want money in the bank. I'll discuss that a little later today, how I feel about that. But, you know. Yeah they, yeah, they built up Rollins. They had Cody, but now he's out with injury for supposedly nine months. Kevin Owens is at best a Big Carter. Lash is now your United States champion. Also discuss how I feel about that later on in today's episode. Gunther. Walter. Had to catch myself. Walter's Intercontinental champion, but they they have nothing for him. He's a, He could be a possibility somewhere down the line. Praying to the wrestling gods as always. But when you look at this as a whole, if you look at where WWE stands and why we're getting Brock and Roman again, it it really shows their lack of depth. It really shows that WWE isn't willing to put anybody else into that picture because they have no one else that's believable. Y'all can say Drew McIntyre all you want, but has he been presented as a top title contender? No. And he won't be until at least August. If Brock is all you have, if Brock is the only reliable thing you've got, you have a fucking problem. And it needs to be rectified. Sooner rather than later, because if they don't, WWE again, as I will say it throughout the rest of this summer, is going to be in for a very long, dreadful summer. Because after SummerSlam, who you got? More than likely, Roman will be Brock, and then we're going to be focusing on Roman versus Drew. And even then, I'm not convinced Drew McIntyre is going to take the championship over Roman. This is a problem. This is a problem that WWE has and they need to fix it. But I told y'all how I many times I told y'all too many times how WWE needs, needs to fix it. And if they won't listen, I guess it's I guess it's uh my cue to walk away and let them just destroy themselves. But that's gonna conclude this uh, opening segment of the YLP Podcast. When we come back, of course y'all know I got more news in the mid-card. AOP's Wrestling Entertainment's UK show has been canceled. And it's an absolute mess. We'll talk about that from Wrestling uh, WhatCulture.com. I'm sorry. Also, we got news on possibly a Bailey WWE return. And I'm going to be talking about that. And uh, my thoughts on the SmackDown Women's division as a whole. I may be spoiling some things for uh, my later segment um, of Money in the Bank. But it is what it is. And it bees what it bees. We'll talk about that. Also, I saw this uh, interesting article from ProWrestlingNewsHub.com. Uh, Tony Khan on how, on how hiring black talent is really important to him. From Sanjay the core over at ProWrestlingNewsHub. Uh, we'll discuss that and give you guys my thoughts um, as far as how I feel. Of course, being a biracial man in America. And uh, discuss my thoughts on what Tony Khan will be saying. All that on the other side of episode 341 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Milo here. You could be listening to anything in the world right now, but we are darn sure glad you're listening to us. And my dad wanted me to remind you that you are listening to WrestleLadic Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Spread love, eat chicken. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 341 of the YLP podcast. Of course, continuing on with the news of the week, but before we get into all of that, y'all know I gotta do shameless plugs here on the YLP podcast because next week is undoubtedly what I'm considering, at least since I've been here in the last two years almost two years. Um, so I've been rocking with uh, Wrestle Addict Radio. I believe in my mind this is the biggest week in the history of Wrestle Addict Radio because of the fact that Kings of the Rings podcast this coming Wednesday July 13th is celebrating their 300th episode. Yes, Mr. YLP himself is not going to be the only person in the 300 Club any longer, even though I have been enjoying all the bowling, mini golf, uh, go karting, um, buffets on Mondays by myself. At some point, I do get a little bored with just being the 300 Club by myself, as this being the 341st episode of the YLP podcast since 2018. But yes, they are doing their 300 episode this coming Wednesday. It is a tell-all episode of the KOTR podcast. So if you have any questions or anything you want to know about the trio that is King Ricky Rose, Will Terry Shook and Agent K Murphy um, get that, go on Twitter and hit up uh, WrestleEdit Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle and um, yeah Send in your questions for hashtag K O T R three hundred. That's K O T R three hundred. Use that hashtag. Get your questions in. If whatever you want to know about the the, the squad themselves, anything you want to know, get that hashtag in again. Hashtag K O T R three hundred. Again, episode three hundred of the K O T R podcast going down this Wednesday night. Um, I believe seven thirty p.m. pre-show. 8 p.m. main show, and if you're gonna stick around, there is a post show after, like on Twitch or usually something like that, on YouTube, Twitch, on Periscope, on Twitter. You can catch all of that and more. Um, there will be a special guest. I believe they announced it on episode 299. Um, I'm gonna really stay in the dark about this one. I'm not a fan of spoilers. And um, so they, they actually announced who their special guest will be. If you checked it out, you know. If you didn't, go back on their YouTube page. Uh, Kings of the Rings podcast and check that out, but it should be an amazing episode. Um, I'll be sending them a, a little special message um, from for them joining the 300 Club of yours truly. Uh, it's a very special occasion, and I, I want to make sure y'all check that out again. That's going to be this coming Wednesday night, 7:30 p.m. pre-show, 8 p.m. main show. YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Y'all don't want to miss that. Also. Um, with this being the biggest week, of course, y'all know, next week is the four-year anniversary show. Now, the actual date is the 18th, but the 16th is closest, uh, is the only Saturday uh, near that. So we're going to be doing it on next Saturday's episode, celebrating four years of me uh, being a solo podcaster. But it will be my, uh, overall, it's actually, I am in mean, my sixth full year as a podcaster. And it's going to be a very exciting occasion. Senior year! Is starting here on the YLP podcast coming to your way next Saturday, as well as a uh, new episode of Brace for Impact on Tuesday. And WrestleMania, I believe WrestleMania will be having an episode uh, next Friday as well. They do have one this past week uh, from yesterday. So y'all want to check that out, as well as the newest episodes of KOTR and Brace for Impact. So make sure you check out all that next week. The biggest week. I'm calling the biggest week in WrestleHeadic Radio history so far. Far also, do not forget to head over to the uh my spring store, get it uh, over at young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com for all your YLP merch. It has been revamped. We got a lot of new merch over there: new drinkware, new uh, accessories, slides. I got crop tops, uh, hoodies for the ladies, joggers. Um, I got a sip hoodies now I got all new stuff over there make sure you check that out get your YLP merch for the summer and look fly in YLP gear once again that is young-lions-perspective-creator-spring.com for all your YLP merch over there I want to make sure I got all my uh, obligations on there do, do, do. I believe I'm good Anything else I'll discuss on the closing segment of this week's episode, but let us, ladies and gentlemen, get back into the news there a little bit more before we get into uh, your Truly's Money in the Bank review as we head over to WhatCulture.com. And also, um, if you're hearing any buzzing in the background, that's actually Miss YLP uh, in her office right now um, doing some sanding. Now I've done the uh, I played the audio um, a few times, and uh, it, it seems like it hasn't really affected me um at this point because of the simple fact that you know we're trying to you know make the house a home and all that good stuff but from what I had done when I recorded it twice um it doesn't it, you know it's light buzzing and stuff but it ain't gonna affect me like Miss Wyomby thinks it does <laughs> because of the fact that I've done want if y'all been following me for the longest time, um, I've done shows where people have been landscaping when I was living in my, uh, my mom's apartment in New Jersey. Um, I've had uh, Buckley Air Force have planes going on in the background. I've done all this stuff. So it really doesn't affect me that much. It just sound, it actually sounds like Zela's in the background. Hopefully it doesn't affect the recording as a whole because I ain't doing this shit twice. So uh, we shall endure, we shall move on. And uh, again, this is not even affecting me at all. This is just, it sounds like vacuuming <laughs> if we're being brutally honest. So it's not all that bad. Um, but like we hey I've done 340 episodes of this shit a good portion of these episodes have had distractions and I have pers- persevered pushed through and we shall continue on so let's get back into the news shall we we head over to whatculture.com AOP's Wrestling Entertainment Series UK show has been cancelled and it's an absolute mess this is from Mr. Andy H. Murray Wrestling Entertainment Series The NASA promotion, headed by former tag team in WWE, the Office of Pain has canceled its first event. The Ambitious Arena event was originally scheduled for Nottingham, England's 10,000-seater border point arena for the 4th of June. This was later rescheduled for this coming Saturday, which will be today, uh, with a public holiday in the United Kingdom cited as the reason. Now, WES has confirmed the cancellation via Twitter. The statement blames so many talent not showing up as the reason. WESUK had undergone a number of major car changes since being rescheduled, with big names Adam Braun stroman Sure, CJ Lana Perry, Lena Naya, Jax Fanene, and Deanna Perrazzo leading the list of pullouts. Earlier this week, It went public that the promotion had sold less than 350 of the thousands of tickets made available for the 9th of July, being today. Fightful Select has published a lengthy report on the cancellation, noting that rather than talent pullouts, poor ticket sales and mismanagement were behind the show being scrapped. Per Fightful's write-up, WES's claim that it had paid talent booked for the show was a half-truth. While some wrestlers, including Eric Young, Big Damo, Steph, Delander, and Moose were paid, Fanene only made, ended up making, let me try it again. While some wrestlers, including Eric Young, Big Damo, Steph, Delander, and Moose were paid, Fanene ended up only making half of what was originally agreed up front. Several UK-based wrestlers have not received a penny, meanwhile. Elsewhere, Elsewhere, Talent had not reportedly not received visa and travel information required for the trip to England, and some didn't learn of the show's cancellation until they read about it on social media. Dean Mutari, who wrestled as Mojo Raleigh in WWE and was due to compete for WBS, has announced that he will hold a free meet-and-greet following the show's cancellation. Meanwhile, a number of other wrestlers due to be involved in WES UK have put the promotion on blast. Now, before I get into all of the talent-making talking shit, about Wrestling Entertainment series, I wanna talk about the post that WWES officially put out this past week saying, quote, Dear fans and followers, unfortunately we will have to cancel the event scheduled for this Saturday at the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham, England. Could have used the comma there but in t- in between Nottingham and England. It'd be like that sometimes. Anywho, we are deeply disappointed in the news that we have to share, but with so many talent not showing up, we will have no choice. Then to cancel the event, where is your grammar? I swear, at least do some grammar in this shit, y'all. Our team worked so hard on this event day in and day out for the fans to come with a different type of wrestling event and believe that we will still be able to do the show in the near future. We do want to say that all our talent that was scheduled have been paid in full and that Lena Finene was paid her deposit as well as she changed, while she changed her mind and did not want to show up and wrestle anymore. For now, we will have to apologize for this, but we promise that it will not end here. See you soon. Goddamn. So here's what the talent had to say about this. Uh, starting off with Chelsea Green saying, quote, Instead of blaming the talent who took weeks off to come work for your new company under the oppression you could be trusted, try refunding the fans and apologizing for your lack of organization. Quote, Sean Rob Sapp saying, my God. Adam Schur saying, straight garbage to try and blame talent not showing up. I'm not a stooge, but the truth will come out. Y'all are good at finding it. Uh, in replying to uh, Sean Rob Sapp. Uh Matthew Ray- Ray- Raywolt saying, quote, talent not showing up. What a laugh, end quote. For now, it seems like Sonny Dinza and Jizim Selmani's admissions. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, my guy. Uh, Jizim. Um, of becoming pro- wrestling promoter- promoters have taken a big hit. Yeah, damn right it did. Yeah, damn fucking right it did. Oh my God. I've been waiting to talk about this all week. Seriously, I've been waiting to talk about this one all week for the simple fact that... Excuse me. That this has absolutely been a, a horror show for WES. I'm, I, I've been kind of keeping an eye on it because it's a you know, new promotion, new promotion, and all that stuff. Alistair Overman was supposed to be on this show too. All this shit, they had so much going for it and then all of a sudden it just got canceled. Now, WES personally, in my honest opinion, fucked up royally. And trying to blame the talent for not showing up is not a good look on your part um, because you're passing the buck and you're trying not to blame yourselves for it kind of like how our government does when anything they, they do anything fucked up. But this ain't that kind of show. We talk pro wrestling here, I digress. But for the simple fact that you're literally telling the people we've got a show popping and all that stuff. We paid some of the wrestlers, and now they've decided not to show up. Well, given the fact that you have a, you're trying to fill a 10,000 seat arena and only got 350 fucking tickets sold. 350 tickets out of 10,000. That is quite sad. That is very. I mean, it's. I mean, for a first show, for your promotion, 350 is not bad. But when you're trying to fill a 10,000-seat arena, it kind of feels ridiculous if you ask me. And that's just my personal opinion on it. They've really fucked up. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of all this opinion. I wish they had gotten more uh, you know, more of a push in the company. But if we're being brutally honest here, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is just a sad state of affairs. I mean, when you've got the talent that was supposed to be on the show... Um, quote unquote, not showing up, um, but them saying otherwise, that's not a good look for you. And when you have multiple names um, stating the same fucking thing, that's also a problem because um, it's one thing to uh, have a show and have everything set up pretty much, but then something happens and then they have to cancel the show. That in and of itself, when everything was pretty much set, but something had happened prior to the show and had to be canceled, that's a whole different situation. When you're having talent getting only half of what they were originally going to get paid. Your UK-based wrestler's not receiving a penny. Talent not learning of the show's cancellation until they've read about it on social fucking media. That's a problem. That's a very, very big problem, ladies and gentlemen, because of the fact that that's very bad business. And on top of that... Most of the talent that you're gonna try to get and try to get bring back for the show itself. Um, they're pro- they're more than likely I mean they got the check. some got some got paid. some got canceled. they got the check. Some didn't get their all their money up front. It bees what it bees on that. It sucks though. it's very bad. It's very fucking bad. Um, talent not receiving visa and travel information uh, also not good. That, it's, it, it's just a, an epic shit show. Um, as far as I see it, they should not try this again. They should not do this. Um, I don't know if they were doing it themselves or having a team around them trying to figure it out. But whoever they had working on this shit absolutely fucking failed. And I don't expect WES to come back anytime soon, if ever. And if they do, um, they, they would be wise to, um, you know... Figure out their mistakes and uh, retry this at a different point. I'd say 2023. Don't even bother with trying to do it again this year. Just don't, don't bother. It's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything for you. And most of the talent um, are probably gonna pull out and not want to do business with y'all. Just don't do it. Just stop, stop. It's bad business. It's really bad business overall. It really is. I think about it, right? If you got. A company, you know, I'm not gonna to try to put anything out there because I can't think of. I think of one I could use at the moment. But if you have a company that's really gonna be putting, like, saying they're putting out a new product, right, and pre-orders are through the roof, this is, you know, the shiny new thing that everybody and their grandma is gonna buy, you know, for Christmas, going into the Christmas season and all this shit. You know, they have the you know, they said this day, but because of certain things, um, certain issues with the product. We had to uh, push the date back on when we're going to release it most people will be okay with that because they've already put the you know at least they're being transparent with the people who are going to be pre-ordering the John. then all of a sudden weeks later um they're basically saying we're going to be canceling the sales product and um but we will be putting out in a future date just not when we're going to do it and they never pretty much do anything uh people are gonna be mad about the product because of the fact that it's not coming out you know kids may want it and now they're crying you know then now the parents have to deal with the kids you know acting a damn fool and shit but that's a problem in this case same scenario you know and then we find out about why y'all were doing this and what you were blaming it on that's not a good look so yeah in, in all honesty it's fucking hilarious it's very fucking hilarious for this to be taking place right now. And uh, yeah, let's be real. Um, I don't expect, don't expect WES to do this anytime soon. If they wanna try again next year, go for it. But if we're being real with ourselves, you know, let's just not, let's just not try this again and uh, get better business people around you that can actually help you out. So, it bees what it bees, it is what it is. But let's move on with some more news here, shall we? and head over to WrestlingInc.com. Backstage update on possible Bailey WWE return from Marco Re- Rovier. I'm sorry, I was gonna say Rovier. WWE superstar Bailey suffered a torn ACL while training at the WWE Performance Center last July, with the timeline for her return initially set at nine months. Bailey herself has teased her return on social media numerous times. The most recent occurrence involved her hugging the Money in the Bank briefcase she won in 2021. Which she used to cash in on Charlotte Flair the same night to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. But with a year now gone by and Bailey still yet to show her face on a WWE screen, fans anxiously awaiting the return of one of WWE's most talented stars have been left disappointed by the length of her recovery. Fortunately for Bailey supporters, PW Insider is reporting that the host of Ding Dong Hello is known to have been at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando earlier this week. While PWI doesn't specify why Bailey was at the PC, the news does follow another report from Frightful, I always wanna say Frightful, rightful, whatever, suggesting that Bailey is preparing to return to in-ring action and had been training for it. And the Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer reported back in March that Bailey was close to making a comeback. It's unclear what WWE would, could be waiting for in terms of bringing back Bailey, assuming she's healthy, but it seems unlikely that her close friend and former tag team partner Sasha Banks will be involved in any way, unless the relationship between Banks and WWE miraculously miraculously up repairs itself. While there's still been no official word on her status, PWI reported earlier today, and that day being uh, Thursday, doo-doo, that Banks and her tag team partner, Naomi, have been taken off WWE's internal roster after they walked out of WWE Raw on May 16th. Bailey's most recent televised match took place on SmackDown in June of last year, a mixed tag with Seth Rollins, in which the pair defeated Bianca Belair and Cesaro in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Belair and Bailey were involved in a feud at the time, something plenty of fans would love to see revisited when the latter does officially return. And um, I would love to see Bailey return. I thought she was going to be returning um, possibly sometime, you know, Money in the Bank. Maybe, maybe and just maybe they're saving her for SummerSlam um as we know she got injured back in July of last year and it's been uh, a whole year since she got injured um so and, and she was supposed to supposedly being uh it's supposed to be like a nine month recovery time for this so this could have been she could have been ready to go as early as you know probably May you know of this year um, given the fact that she could have you know, nine months uh, her, her time timetable ended in April and she could have come back in May but uh, WWE was probably thinking of maybe holding off on her return for something bigger say possibly a SummerSlam uh, event because Money in the Bank wasn't going to be fucking doing it so my thing is I would love to see Bailey come back I think WWE desperately needs her to get back into the fold because of the simple fact that um, and honestly this is more so looking at Smackdown's women's division granted we do have Liv Morgan as the new Smackdown women's champion but after Natalya and especially if Ronda Rousey wants to step back for a little bit um, and maybe you know, get a rematch against Liv at SummerSlam and then uh Natalya would be next in line given there she had a little bit of beef uh, with Liv because of the fact that you know n- without Natty doing what she did to Ronda Liv wouldn't be champion so we could visit that at some point maybe sometime in August Um but after that, honestly, who do you have to compete for the SmackDown Women's Championship? Raquel Rodriguez just, you know, had a match with the champion, didn't end too well, um, in terms of, well, she took an L. Uh, Shotzi is nowhere near where she needs to be in top title contention, neither is Aaliyah. Zaya Aaliyah, I believe, is injured, um, so that depletes the division even more, and of course, Sasha Banks and Naomi are nowhere to be fucking found, because you know, WWE played them out for some fucking fools, or at least they attempted to personally. But, the way I see it now, Bailey needs to get back on SmackDown sooner rather than later. I know fans are clamoring for her to go on Raw, but I think that would be the wrong move. She needs to get back on uh, SmackDown immediately, as fast as she possibly can. Um because after you get past let's say um Liv gets past Ronda, Liv gets past Natalia, um no Bailey and Charlotte's return is pretty much imminent. At this point, and um I'm going to have a lot more to say on it when I do my Money in the Bank review, of course, in the next segment. But the way I see it, it's that, you know, then then if Charlotte comes back, right, and lives the champion, you know, there's it, people are going to be saying, you know, oh, well, Charlotte's back, you know, lives handing over the championship. Oh, happy day. Sarcasm. But... Bailey does need to get back into the fold very, very soon, and she needs to get back on the SmackDown roster as soon as possible because I don't think SmackDown Women's Division can survive with Liv as champion and no one to really go up against. You feel me? So if Bailey comes back, if Charlotte comes back, that would would actually help the cause. But that looming thought of, well, Liv's our champion, but she ain't going to be holding the title for much longer... Uh, when these two do come back into the fold, a lot of people will be thinking, "Well, there goes Liv's title reign—a flash in the pan, all that stuff." But I'll—I'll I'll, I'll save the rest of it for um, the money-to-make review, of course. But that's the thing—you know, a lot of people are going to be concerned about Liv's title reign once the when Charlotte comes back. Bailey possibly different, but the Charlotte deal is going to be a much bigger situation. But. um, Bailey needs. To, hopefully, Bailey gets back into the fold soon. Hopefully, she comes back at Summerslam. Maybe that would be dope. Maybe comes back sometime in August because they have no pay per view to go towards besides building towards Clash Casual, Clash at the Castle at uh, on in September. So that's my, that's that's what I think about that. Hopefully, Bailey comes back sometime this month, maybe August, uh, to help the cause and the ratings, and uh, we get her back into the fold. But put her on SmackDown, please, because that division needs more help than we can honestly say at this very point. And finally, rounding out this week's news. I found this article uh, a few days ago um, and thought this would be something I would want to talk about uh, with this. So um, let's end, and usually I try to end the news of the week on a a somewhat of a good note, you know, try to, you know, get our minds right before we get into the fun stuff. But let's talk about it over at prowrestlingnewshub.com. Tony Khan on how hiring black talent is really important to him. This is from Sanjay Thakur, is it Thakur? Yeah, Thakur. AEW president and CEO Tony Khan recently made an appearance on the Ring of Wrestling Show podcast to talk about all elite wrestling hiring black talent and how that is something really important to him. According to Khan, many of the black talent that are in AEW today were not available when the company was still starting out, but he always wanted to build a really diverse roster and hiring these people is what made the company more diverse than what they started with. This is what Tony Khan said, quote, it's something that's really important to me. Well, every single person you named pretty much was not available when AEW started. Those are all free agent acquisitions, except for Jade, who've trained and is one of the very few wrestlers that has trained from the ground up in AEW, because primarily the general rule of thumb is we sign people with experience in wrestling. We don't train people from the ground up, and Jade is the exception of any rules. What a great wrestler she is. I think virtually, every other wrestler you named, Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, Athena, Stokely Hathaway, these are people that were not available to us. They were under contract elsewhere. I would have killed to have these people in AEW before, and now I'm thrilled that they're all here as a part of AEW. But I also, in that time, tried to develop talent through a grassroots system, and I was using AEW Dark, and still continue to this day to develop wrestlers on AEW Dark on YouTube. They aren't always on television, and these people weren't even coming in to be showcased on AEW Dark. They were coming in for tryouts, for developmental work. But great examples of this are Powerhouse Hobbs. Max Castor and Anthony Bowens, at first separately as individual wrestlers, actually trained at the same school and never teamed before. Now they are the acclaimed, one of the most pushed acts on television. Red Velvet is a great example of that also. So Hobbs, Red Velvet, Caster, and Bowens, individually they were all tryout wrestlers on AEW Dark. I was tr- trying to build a better, better roster and a more diverse roster, frankly. And the best wrestlers at the time we're not available to build a diverse roster. Keith Lee, Swerve, Strickland, Athena, Stokely Hath- Hathaway, the best manager in wrestling. Facts. These were not people that were available to us, so I would have killed to have them, and when they got, re- then they got released, I thought it was crazy. Every one of those people getting out of their contract, getting released, being on the street, looking to wrestle work for us. It was crazy to me, and I'm so happy that we're all here. He goes on to say that, quote, I've always wanted to build a really diverse roster and through, the common, through a combination of free agents getting available that I never would have thought would be available to us with their contract expiring, some of them got released and the other ones that we built up that have been great stars helped us build a more diverse roster than we started with." End quote." Tony Khan also talked about the WWE reaching out to him for Cena's 20th anniversary. And how that was something he had no problems doing as well as how it is the first time in over 20 years where this kind where there has been this kind of competition in professional wrestling and and how now is the best time in history of pro in the history of pro wrestling to be in pro wrestling TV and run a top promotion. This is what he's had to say about that quote: This week, when I heard from WWE directly, they contacted me and asked if I would give them access give them videos, and if, I would ask some of the wrestlers in AEW to send in tribute videos for John Cena's 20th anniversary, I thought it was a very nice thing, it sounded like a nice event, classy thing, and I have no problem helping out, and that was the kind of thing that, it's not going to hurt us, and I'm happy to do the right thing, and be a good Samaritan when it's called for, so those videos were on Monday, and then we had our big show Wednesday, and they had the number one show on cable and satellite Monday, and we had the number one show on cable and satellite Wednesday. So right now is a strong time for the wrestling business. And like you said, man, it's the first time in two decades where this, there's been this kind of competition in pro wrestling where there were our multiple companies, two companies in North America putting up these numbers. And it really does have that kind of throwback feel when they're doing it on their network. And it's, this good, and it's the same one they were on back in the day on Mondays and how we're doing it now, wrestling on Wednesdays on TBS, Fridays on TNT. You know, TBS and TNT used to show WCW in the nineties. And now we're here. We are back on WCW's old networks. AEW has built a great audience, and with cable having changed the landscape of viewership, it's very different. But you know, media, rise, media rights have actually gone way up, and now it is the best time in history in the history of pro wrestling to be in pro wrestling TV and run a top promotion, and it's worked out really well. And that's honestly why I got into the business, and when, when I did, because I thought it was a great time to run a business. And of course, y'all know h slash two university news dot co transcribing quotes and because I don't want to get sued, blah 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 yada yada yada. But let's talk about what Tony Khan said about uh, having a more diverse roster. It is not. It is not. You know, it's apparent. We've all known this for quite some time that when the AEW first started out, they wanted to build a more diverse roster. They wanted to have talent from all sides of of the spectrum, from you know, white, black, uh, Latino. Um, you know, transgender, all this shit. They wanted to be a very diverse company, bringing out, showing, casing the best talent in the world. And if we're being brutally honest, it's paid off wonderfully for them in their almost three years as a company as a whole. It really has. And, um, seeing how Tony Khan is very, very, was very, you know, it was imperative for Khan to have black talent on the roster. A, fantastic. B, you know I'm gonna love it as a biracial man myself, and see it helps show that there is just there is plenty of talent around the world that can bring their best to AEW. Now of course there's people on Twitter um, that will you know be saying you know why then where's the you know why do we have, why do we have the like, you know you know just like a handful of you know black world champions in WWE I mean, you know and all this shit. And, I mean that's not a bad point. Um, I mean, many people will, you know, hearken back to the uh, Booker T, Triple H feud uh, back in the early 2000s as they headed towards WrestleMania and what Triple H had said in his uh, a particular promo to Booker T and then uh, not having the wherewithal to uh, have Booker T defeat Triple H at WrestleMania. That's a whole different story in and of itself. But when you really look, look at the landscape of WWE, you don't see, I mean, you have black talent on there. You got some. You know, you got Bobby Lashley, of course, you got Kofi, you got uh, Big E, you got, you know, Xavier Woods, you got Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, R-Truth, um, and all that, but, and, you know, Bianca Belair, let's not get that, let's make sure I, you know, I ain't trying to get killed today, um, you know, we do have, they do have, you know, black talent on their roster, feel me, um, but honestly, but overall, you don't really, you know, they're not being pushed, They're not getting as much shine, not getting a lot of TV time over there, but when I look over to AEW, you know, I see Keith Lee, I see Powerhouse Hobbs, I see Ricky Starks, I see Red Velvet, I see Jade Gargill, I see, you know, I see a good amount of talent on there. Stokely Hathaway there and, but that's been AEW's MO since the beginning. That's been their MO since day one. You know, they wanted to have a very, a solidly diverse, you know, roster. You know, and I've, always, and I've always commended AEW for that because, as I always say in terms of professional wrestling, I don't care who you are, man, woman, transgender, you know, non-binary, non-binary, it doesn't fucking matter to me. Because what matters to me is what you can do in the ring. I don't care if, you know, if you're an Orange Cassidy type or if you're a guy like Adam Cole, baby. Um, if you can bring something to the table that you know that will excite fans, get fans invested in the product itself, by all means, do by all means do your thing, boo boo. And dare I say, I don't want to forget the street profits either from WWE uh, as well, and they're being you know wonderfully featured in WWE. But that's the thing too. But um, but that's that's been AEW since the beginning. You know, bringing in a uh, uh, as much as of a diverse roster as possible. You know, and it's really, it's really paid dividends for them. Honestly, in my opinion, I mean, there's nothing wrong with hell. When Keith Lee came, you know, made his debut, they went bonkers. When Swerve Strickland made his debut, they went bonkers. When Athena came out, they went bonkers. Stokely Hathaway, that was a reaction I was not, I was not prepared for. You know, Ricky Starks has been the homegrown talent. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs came into the fold, and it's been doing doing very fucking well for himself in uh, AEW, Jay Cargill, who gets a lot of fucking hate, but I think she's done very well for herself, being undefeated in AEW and holding the TBS championship. She will be dropping that title sometime soon, possibly all out, that's just me. But, you know, her run has been fantastic so far, uh, creating the Batty stable with Akira uh, Hogan and Red Velvet, um, having an interim Batty at the moment, I guess, because of, uh, I believe, I think Hogan was the one who got injured, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm wrong, please do let me know. But I do. I've always loved the fact that AE, AEW and Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes, at the time he was still in uh, the company, um, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to create a diverse, talented roster which fans can really get invested into. And they have not, in any way, shape, or form, have disappointed. I mean, you got talent from literally all over the world, um, and they, and I, I really do respect Tony Khan for wanting to. Uh, bringing that kind of representation for WWE. myself of course, as I've said, I am a biracial dude, mom's black, uh, dad's white, God rest his soul. And um, I've always been taught, you know, to respect people. And, you know, all that good shit. And uh, you know, and seeing a guy like a Keith Lee, seeing a Sword Strickland, seeing Ricky Starks in them, really showcase the ass on uh, AEW has been very, very refreshing for me and something that I've really enjoyed seeing. I be, I didn't know Ricky Starks from a can of paint, nor did I know about Powerhouse Hobbs. And they are two of my favorite motherfuckers on the roster right now uh, because they're damn good at what they do. Uh, Keith Lee, I've seen plenty of in WWE for, to know exactly how he gets down. Um, Swerve sort of Strickland, same scenario. Athena, same scenario. Um, and seeing them, you know, begin their growth... In AEW and seeing them, especially with like guys like Ricky Starks, man, it was. I, I've been very impressed with Ricky Starks since I've started watching him on telly, and I, I've just been very, very happy with what they get. Now it's not to say WWE doesn't do that, but um, you know, the most I see out of them is um, I mean, yeah, and don't get me wrong, Carmelo Hayes too, Trick Williams, you know, th- th- we got some in there, but it's it always isn't as prominent as I've seen at times and um that's not to say that like I said it's not to say that they haven't been showcased but I would want to see you know I've been seeing those things those comments on Twitter like you know why they do Kofi like that why they do Xavier Woods like that why they do Big E like that with his championship run feel me so it's one of those it's one of those things where it's just like it's there but in some points Especially in the last... In the last many... In the last couple of decades... A lot of people have been... Complaining about... You know... You know... Especially like I said... With the Booker T situation... And all that... You know... Why are they doing... Why they doing... Uh, you know... Black... Athlete... You know... As they call them... Sports entertainers... I call them... Professional fucking wrestlers... Uh, why are they not as prominent... Or being showcased in proper shit? Um, that I don't know... And... You know... I've, some people cry... You know... There, there's been a bit of racism in there, and of course, Vince McMahon dropping the N-word one time, uh, two, two, one too many time tannies. Um, that's also been a thing, but, you know, kudos to Tony Khan for wanting to showcase black talent, showcase black excellence, because that's always always a beautiful thing, and to showcase, you know, our diverse roster in AEW. You know, I've always loved, you know, I mean, I just love AEW because AEW kicks ass. But showcasing many different talent, you know, it's always a good thing. I mean, I mean, WWE has that too, but AEW has that it has wanted to do it since day fucking one. Big difference than what WWE has been doing. So, um, my kudos, of course, go to Tony Khan and shout out to him for actually, you know, one to have diverse uh, diversity, you know, a diverse roster and have diversity talent and all this stuff. It's a beautiful thing, and it you know it really brings out the best in everyone. Like I said, I don't care who you are, what you are, you know what you identify as. When it comes to professional wrestling, what you bring to the table matters. And if you can go into that ring and put on a solid match, whether you are the opening match of the night, or in the main event, or somewhere in the mid card, I don't I don't give a shit. If you bring your proper talent to the table in that ring, you earn my respect. Because as I've always said, I will never get into that ring but I respect those who do you gotta be you gotta be a different kind of motherfucker to get in that ring so to see people like me in that ring doing the damn thing it makes me proud to be even more proud to be a wrestling fan I've already been I've been a wrestling fan since I was eight years old but I will always love you know those who go into the ring and, and do what they do and respect the craft and showcase it in a proper manner in their own style it's a beautiful thing and uh, again, I was always shout out to Tony Khan, all that good stuff, and uh, I want to see more, see more, bring uh, bring more to the table, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And AEW will continue to do what they do. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude the news of the week. We're done with the news. Now we can get to the fun shit. Because when we come back, y'all know it's the main eventual segment of the show, and we're going to be discussing. What went down at Money in the Bank? What I thought of the winners of this year's MITB contract matches. And uh, what the final grade is for this year's Money in the Bank. On the other side of wrestling. Other side of wrestling? What kind of show is that? On the other side of episode 341 of the YLP podcast. Keep it locked. Don't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the main event segment of episode 341 of the YLP podcast. And of course, we are taking this main event segment back seven days to money in the bank. And um, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm really not going to lie. This was a month, as I mostly say most of the time, I have usually boo-boo expectations for WWE as a whole, and I had a lot of boo-boo expectations going into Money in the Bank. So, um, surprisingly, <laughs> Money in the Bank was better than I expected, and that's always a good thing in my book because there's a lot of noteworthy things to discuss about for this pay-per-view. As I mostly mostly you know, when it comes to these kinds of segments, I just go off the uh, top of my head and uh, base it off, you know, looking at Wikipedia, of course, and just kind of, you know, taking bits and pieces from that. But um, let us talk about this real quick because it needs to be talked about. We're, we're, see, but the thing is, like, there were so many good things. There was good things, and then there was a couple of, of, of things I was just like, huh? Um, but let us begin with the most um, big the big talking point of this year's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and that was Austin Theory is your... 2022, Mr. Money in the Bank. And um, there have been some people on social media that have stated that this was not the move. This was, this was the wrong call. This was just industry plant shit, you know. And don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I do have my thoughts on this. And um, as y'all know, I did pick Seth Rollins to become uh, this year's Mr. Money in the Bank because I believe in my mind, it's the most logical point to make. Um, especially in where we are standing right now in terms of the main event scene with Roman Reigns holding the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And so I figured, okay, at some point, Seth Rollins cashes in, cashes in on, uh, both men, uh, recreating WrestleMania 31, the heist of the century part, duh, and, uh, becoming Undisputed Champion, hopefully just saying, fuck your Universal title, I don't want that shit, I'm here for the WWE title, bringing it back to Raw and, uh, happy days would be here again that was not the case uh before the match started adam pierce comes out announcing that theory is the eighth man in this money in the bank ladder match and he becomes mr money in the bank in the process match itself wasn't actually that bad i actually enjoyed the 25 minutes and 25 seconds that we were given um according to wikipedia and um yeah omar omar's getting a you know the six-man powerbomb through the table, man flew. I believe I can fly. I don't know if I can sing that anymore, given the fact that R. Kelly is now uh, going to be in jail for the next three decades. Um, I might want to hold off on that. But if I, but usually most times when I see somebody flying off the top of a cage like Sammy Guevara did in Blood and Guts, I believe I can fly. And then, kaboom. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Anywho, we continue on though. As far as what I think of theory, I I think I can explain it very, very, uh, simply, uh, in, 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 in sound, um, because, you know, sometimes sound effects are much more fun that way, you know, when you, you know, try to express yourself and, um, try to, cause 'cause sometimes words don't really do it justice if we're being really fucking honest here between you and I. So I'll explain it simply like this. Well, no, to the low, 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 yeah, to the low, yeah, to the low, to the low, low, (laughs) there was no fucking way they needed to have Austin Theory of all fucking people win money in the bank I did not like this decision at all this was probably um I wouldn't say it was the worst decision because if, if they gave it to like Omos, I would have been like dying in laughter for the next 10 minutes just talking about how much of a disappointment that would have been. Um, Sami Zayn, if he won it, I would have been laughing for the simple fact that now you have to play a little bit with the, uh, with the bloodline type of situation. A lot of people I know were clamoring for that. If Riddle had won it, um, that kind of would have been a mm, little bit of oopsie, given the fact that he can never compete for the championship, so it's kind of an oxymoron at that point. Mad Cat Maz would have been a hell naw to the no nah, naw naw as well, because of the fact that mm, hell naw to the naw 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 um, Drew McIntyre, I would have been like, aye, right, but it doesn't make any sense, given the fact that more than likely he's facing Roman at Clash of the um, So it only made sense that Seth Rollins was the right guy to win this year's Money in the Bank. Credible name? What have hell? The championship? It would have made sense. Revisit history, because uh, you know, w- you know, we're geeks for nostalgia. Um, but theory, though, I said, it, I said it the other day to Miss YLP, and um, I stated that with this, you know, Seth Rollins was the best, log- most logical choice to win Money in the Bank, and. When I thought when I saw Austin Theory grab that briefcase, there's only one thing that happened, and honestly, um, we'll take some time to revisit a little bit of history here because something that this hasn't been done in five years. I think they're gonna do, they're doing a failed cash in this year with money in the bank. That that seriously is is where I'm where I'm going where I'm leaning towards right now. I'm leaning towards a failed cash in for Theory. Seriously, I'm I'm really thinking that there's going to be a failed cash in this go around, because honestly, that's I mean, is it the biggest reason? Why? No, I don't know. I mean, I've been reading reports and all that stuff, but everything that seeing it as I'm seeing it right now, I don't think the theories be cashed again to winning the undisputed Universal Championship, WWE Universal Championship, whatever the fuck you want to call it nowadays. I don't think it. I, I think it's a failed cash in go around this time guys I really do um yeah I mean Theory is now Vince McMahon's new chosen one and you know they're trying to skyrocket him to the top but if we're being brutally honest Theory's not there yet Theory's not exi- Theory is nowhere near where I think WWE wants him to be right now because if we're being brutally honest I think Austin Theory was a year away from becoming a money in the bank at least a year away maybe a year or two but right now I, th- I don't think it was the best choice and I'm being very calm about this because of the fact that it's just, I'm not even like mad, angry, disappointed like I usually would be if I see some bullshit or, or, or some goofy shit um, like we normally see with WWE in terms of shit like this but in this case I'm just merely confused and disappointed because of the fact that you had a ready made uh, theory is right the- I'm not saying theory is going to be I-, I thought theory was a year away and you could tell with the crowd that they were not happy with the decision that was made. They were even more upset that Theory won Money in the Bank. Um, to me, it's just a disappointment, disappointing move because of the fact that you already had Seth Rollins ready to go and pretty much like have that, have that go and be of, of something. But you could still, I mean, with now the impending uh, Seth Rollins Riddle match at SummerSlam, you could still have Rollins be Mister Money in the Bank in the process. It's been done before, you know, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you know Mr or Ms. Money in the bank takes an L because they still have the money in the bank briefcase and can cash in at any given time over the next year. Feel me, it would have made more sense for Seth to win Mr. Money in, become Mr. Money in the bank. I, I brutally I honestly believe that. I know a ton of people were clam were trying to clamor for that. And to see that, and then to see Theory get it, it was more so of just like, damn, really? That's not to say Austin Theory's not a solid talent, because he is. He's a hell of a guy. I, I, I mean, I, they, they showcased him wonderfully in NXT. Should have had a championship over, not North championship, to be brutally honest, you know, with Johnny Gargano and shit, but that's a whole different story. But I think, I thought personally in my mind, after seeing what I saw, with the, uh, Austin Theory winning money in the bank, that he was a year away from it. He was a year away. Of course, we all know more than like more more likely than not, Cody was going to be Mr. Money in the Bank and cashing on Roman at some point. Um, when that didn't go, that isn't going down because of a you know torn peck. It made sense for Seth to have that. That was Seth's to win and everyone else's to probably lose. But to have Austin Theory as Mr. Money in the Bank, I'm not going to take it away from him as an accomplishment. It's a hell of an accomplishment. But where we stand right now with the main event scene, it just clearly looks to me like they're gonna do a failed cash in. Roman's not losing this belt until at least possibly September, at best. And you think Roman's gonna lose that championship to Austin fucking theory? Check that. Brock Lesnar's gonna be, fun- be perfectly okay. With possibly becoming the undisputed WWE Universal Champion and then dropping that title to Austin Theory. Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of Austin's. I like it. I like how he gets down in the ring. I think he's a great fucking heel, and he's, he even portrayed it when he was in Evolve and shit. He's fantastic. Um but if you honestly think in your mind that that Roman or Brock, where they stand in the hierarchy of talent in WWE are going to be perfectly okay. Okay, with Austin Theory and, and doing the job for Austin, you're out of your fucking mind. Hmm. You're out of your damn mind. If you think for one fucking second that Austin Theory is going to is going to be winning cl- clean, put air quotes around that. Clean over Roman or Brock. Picture that. I dare you to try to picture that and tell me that doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't. I don't see it. I mean, we're. I mean, it's. I mean, I waited a week. I gave myself an, a full week to digest it, take it all in, think about it, rethink about it, and think about it again. Because I just, you know, because I was on the potty, uh, I in the bathroom handling business and. um you know, I came to this conclusion. There's going to be a failed cash in this year. Will it drop theory stock? Hell no. It won't drop theory stock. He is a cho- he has been handpicked by Mr. McMahon doing segments with Mr. McMahon getting slapped by Mr. McMahon with on the light side feel me so um yeah if Theory cashes in and fails uh do not be surprised uh if it happens at SummerSlam I mean he already called a shot uh and then he's saying he's gonna hold three belts by the end of the night um and I'm gonna get. Into, let me get into that real quick. Uh, with the United States Championship match between Theory and Bobby Lashley, uh, never in my wildest dreams that I think Theory would be inserted into Money in the Bank after losing said United States Championship. I don't think for one fucking second that Bobby Lashley needs the United States Championship. Um, this doesn't make any. That didn't make fucking sense whatsoever. Um, with Theory lo- dropping the U.S. Championship, it, it's just like, are we like? Like, and that's the whole and that's what really kind of disappointed me with that it's just like Theory's been on a decent run with the United States Championship I would think that he would hold said championship um, at least through SummerSlam and then from there we'll go but giving the title to Bobby Lashley it, it just didn't make any sense to me at all it didn't I was I was really confused I was just like why are we giving Lashley the championship then we saw what happened with Theory I was like oh well, we could have had Theory beat Lashley, and he still could have been inserted into Money in the Bank. So it doesn't fucking matter. Um, just saying, you know, I just think these things in my head, and I just run with them. But I didn't like Lashley becoming U.S. Champion because, like, again, it's my concern for the mid card. It's my concern. It's my concern for the mid card. That's gonna, you know, that's trying to make me think who could Lashley face for the United States Championship going forward after more than likely he gets past Austin Theory. Then what? Miz, I guess Champa aligning with the Miz—that's a weird flex. but, Okay, um, where's Rude and Ziggler? Where are they at? I haven't seen them in a hot minute. I don't watch Raw, so whatever, whatever program they're fucking on. Um, I don't see anything in in terms of Lashley. It's it's not a benefit for Lashley to be United States champion right now. Live, I'm sure I'm um, you know after what we saw. You know, with Lashley holding up that WWE championship about a month or so ago, a lot of people were thinking, okay, he's going after Roman. And there were reports stating that possibly Lashley Reigns would be the big would be a thing, you know, for SummerSlam perhaps. And then Brock came back and that fucked up everything. So we were just like, oh, well, okay. I don't know why. I don't know why at all they gave this to Bobby Lashley. He didn't need it. He doesn't need it. He should be gunning for, you know, the world championship. You know, he's a main event guy. And putting, giving them the U.S. Championship doesn't make a lick of sense to me. So if you can explain it better than I can, please leave a voice message or leave me an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on that. But we shall move away from the men's side of Money in the Bank and talk about the ladies' side of Money in the Bank. I am happy that a, I got the prediction right, which lets my 4-2 record, uh, this go-around for uh, predictions. Uh, over 500, I'll take it any day of the week. hooray for me. Um, Liv Morgan becoming money in the Miss Money in the Bank, all made all the sense in the world. I am happy WWE made the right call in giving Morgan um, the Money in the Bank briefcase because she fucking deserved it. And um, I want to harken back to January, if if, uh, if you my if you know your memory is you know solid, um, and her feud with Becky Lynch in January. And you know she didn't win the uh, Roman, I believe she was a uh, Roman champion at the time, and um, you know that feud I think really helped start begin to get her rise, to get to where she is now as the SmackDown Women's Champion, um, and that's that's a big thing, you know, from January until last Saturday. Um, has been one hell of a rise for Liv and I think after that feud with Becky people started actually starting to believe in Liv Morgan um, my home my own boy Taylor who I used to work with uh, back at the Lowe's in Jersey um, he's a big fan of Liv Morgan and I'm sure he's over the moon um, over the fact that Liv Morgan is a champion and of course he's from Jersey so you know that's a big deal for us uh, you know in the Garden State um, shout out to Elmore Park one time uh, real quick for my folks in Jersey but um Liv Morgan winning money in the bank, best call WWE could do. Alexa Bliss didn't make sense. Asuka didn't make sense. Becky Lynch, wonderful acting after the matchup. You know, I'm concerned about what she'll do next. But um it made sense, you know. And for some I believe on, on Twitter I saw that Lacey Evans was getting booed. Um that was hilarious. Um everybody played their part. Um, yes there were a couple botches and you know not the fault of anybody in the matches like I talked about um, in the opening segment of today's episode but you know everybody had their part in there everybody did what they needed to do Becky Lynch and Asuka of course uh, after their no holds barred match Becky Lynch uh, leg dropping homegirl girl um, on the ladder nice spot there Raquel Rodriguez having a couple of spots in the match that I really like you know again I didn't think she was going to win it but I knew she would play an integral part of it which you know was, was really good um, Alexa Bliss had her moments I mean, everybody had their moment in this matchup, but when we look back at this year's Money in the Money in the Bank, um, I think the highlight will a highlight will definitely be Liv Morgan um, getting finally getting her spot in the spotlight and being um, and finally being a champion in WWE. I mean, even Ronda told her when and after she dropped the, t- uh, the title to Liv Morgan after um, Liv cashed in on her, she told her in her whispered in her ear, "You deserve it," and she does. we need something different and what makes this moment even better for Liv is that Ronda actually went to bat for Liv there were reports out there I don't know if you guys caught those this week um, I didn't discuss them on the podcast because I wanted to wait until this segment to actually kind of get into it Ronda went to bat for Liv went to WWE, pitched the idea to Vince and them about Liv winning money in the bank and Liv becoming Smackdown Women's Champion That's a hell of a fucking, you know, I got your back moment. Then Ronda, then then the actual champion of a brand going to bat for you and saying like she deserves to be champion. Even her own, I think, yeah, Ronda's personal photographer even said like she never and you know never wanted it and never needed the championship, and she's right. Her personal photographer is absolutely correct. Ronda as Ronda's name alone can carry WWE for marquee matchups. Okay, let's not get that twisted. Ronda doesn't need a championship, if we're being brutally honest. Neither does Brock Lesnar, but that's a, that's beside the point. Ronda Rousey is a big name. You could put her, you could put her not having a championship against Becky. I hope they do that at SummerSlam because that would just be a blessing in fucking disguise. Um, Ronda can face Becky. Ronda can face Charlotte. Ronda can face anyone in WWE, and even her not holding a championship, her name holds weight. So. Ronda recognized she didn't need the championship. Her name alone can carry uh, like make fans invested in the match because you put Ronda in against anyone and you're in that name recognition alone is gonna make you interested in wanting to see the matchup itself. Now granted, uh, her matchup uh, with Natalia wasn't that bad. I actually, you know, I thought this was uh, a decent um, women's championship match, which kind of led the way to Liv cashing in on Ronda, made all the sense in the world. Uh, which, which uh Natty saying, you know, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be champion, Liv, if it wasn't for me going after her leg. I mean, not wrong, but at the end of the day, you know, Liv picked the spot. You know, ha 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 So you know, maybe maybe she, maybe she could thank you in in joke in a joking manner, but uh, you didn't win the championship either. So ha 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 ha. But yeah. I mean, Ronda going to bat for Liv is wonderful. I think that, you know, that shows Ronda's character in realizing that her name has value in WWE, whether she holds a championship or not. Liv becoming a champion now in WWE is good because of the fact that, A, fans were asking for it, and B, she's a hell of a babyface fans can actually back you believe in Liv. You want to invest in Liv. You want to see her go through her trials and tribulations as champion and dealing with onslaught of contenders month after month after month for however long she holds the championship until she drops it. Um Liv is Liv is one of those baby faces you you can bet. Like I dig live, you know. I think she was I think she had potential, but it wasn't until January of this year where she showcased her potential and really got Fans behind her and starting to invest in her. Wins all around. All good things. All good vibes in the juju. So, with that, Liv now being champion. Um, and as I said this in, uh, in the mid card segment here on today's episode, my concern for Liv now going forward is going to be solely focused on the fact that Bailey's impending return is going to be coming hopefully soon. And then, of course, the one dreaded one, the one that is the return of Charlotte Flair. Because as most of y'all most of us do know, when Charlotte comes back, she kinda of wants a championship back around her waist because reasons that we don't honestly care about and just get angry about in the first place. But seriously, if we're being brutally honest, um I, I, I don't want you know the first thought of me, you know, seeing Charlotte return to SmackDown, um you know. Just, I don't know. I just, I'm just concerned. I am just very concerned uh, about this. <laughs> Wait a fucking minute. I was just trying to read something just to... And I'm looking up at I, uh, internationalbusinesstimes.com now. I'm just I'm just looking. I'm just skimming. You know. Let me, let me see. Let me see here. Let me, let me read some. I me mean, looks. Oh no. <laughs> now take this all with a grain of salt. I'm just looking at uh, International Business Times. Uh, ibtimes.com if you want to check this out. But um, they had an article about details of what lies ahead for Liv Morgan's championship win. Now again, I'm taking this all take this all with a grain of salt. Uh, we'll see what happens. But what they're saying is and I quote uh You know, Morgan has built an ardent fan base because of her work ethic, decent mic skills and overall charm inside the ring, which has definitely played a part in lifting her to the top pedestal in the single scene. However, they may be in for a wild ride in the coming weeks as famed pro wrestling personality Dave Meltzer, which is why I said take it with a grain of salt, reported on the most recent episode of Wrestling Observer Radio that Morgan might just simply be a transitional champion, saying, quote, The fans won't be happy with Liv Morgan losing the title at SummerSlam, but I don't think the idea is to go with Ronda as a heel because Charlotte Flair is going to be her opponent when she comes back. Meltzer later added that Rousey will be continuing the feud with Morgan all the way through SummerSlam on July 30th. Now, again, calm down. Take it with a grain of salt. We are going to breathe. I believe there was more with that that I X out of by accident because cause my bad I, I thought that was the end of the article I saw that's, that's my fault uh, let me see having the title taken off Morgan so quickly does put her in a precarious position of putting in her best body of work in the coming weeks in the hopes of impressing people backstage to give her an extended run regardless of how long she'll carry the title Morgan has proven herself to be one of the most reliable performers in the company in recent years okay so okay We're gonna calm down, we're gonna breathe. Breathe, y'all. If WWE is this, is that stupid, then fans are going to get pissed. Especially if it becomes Ronda Charlotte again, building up to Clash at the Castle, then, then fans are gonna have a problem if that's the actual story. Now, again, I'm gonna say it one last time. Take it with a grain of salt, we don't know what they're gonna do, okay? all signs hopefully point to Liv Morgan retaining over Ronda at SummerSlam. If Ronda wins the title back, um, I may come on here and laugh my ass off at the stupidity of WWE, but uh, it remains to be seen. We'll see what happens, but as far as I see it right now, Liv Morgan is SmackDown Women's Champion is a good thing. I enjoy it. I like the move. It's just fantastic. It's just, it's a it's a good thing. Don't WWE don't, if this is, if this is, what Dave Meltzer said is legitimate, and some people believe this is some bullshit, um, Liv as champion makes sense, Liv actually beating Rousey at SummerSlam makes sense, her overcoming Charlotte also makes sense, because if you guys want to do the long-term booking shit, Charlotte and Liv had a moment, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think Liv finally beating Charlotte and proving that she is a worthy champion makes all the fucking sense in the world to me. Just give her the run. Give her a bit of a run. Let's see how she does. You need need new stars. You've kind of built up Liv Morgan. This is a good thing. Don't fuck up. Let me see if I pretty much much covered most of the matches. Besides the match of the night and the obvious match of the night, the Usos and the Street Profits. I'm going to end it on this because... Pretty much I've covered everything the fuck else. For the most part. <laughs> because Bianca Belair versus Carmella wasn't even worth talking about. We knew Bianca Belair was gonna retain anyway, so whatever. Um, This was match of the night. And honestly, this, may, this is definitely gonna be possibly in my top 20 for matches of the year. Like, this match was quintessentially everything I wish they would continuously do in the tag team division when it comes to that, th- this division as a whole, because the, besides these two, the division as a whole is garbage. Um, and I just wish they would make it one full-on tag team division, so that would be mean more shine for tag teams and all that good shit. But hey, what the fuck do I know, right? Mm. This was match of the night. Hands down, flat out match of the fucking night, and it's, it's not even fucking close. The Usos and the Tree Profits pretty much gave us NXT vibes from beginning to end. Um, I don't know who produced this, but whoever produced this match, fucking well done. Like seriously, clap it up. Let's applaud producers who actually put work in on these matches. This was fantastic. This was a match of the year candidate. This, This could be a match of the year candidate to some. This could be a match of the year candidate. It's definitely as it stands right now in my top 20, which fucking fluctuates with every passing second of the day. But right now, it's definitely, it's easily in the running to be honorable mention of the year. Like, hands down, this one teeters on top 10 match of the year uh, list. This was amazing. The false, the false finishes, the pinfalls, the count outs, the drama. Like, there was so much in this matchup. And then ending with fucking uh, Montez Ford's shoulder being up on the pin. That was just Yes, that's what you do. That's how, that's how you make tag team wrestling relevant again in WWE, by putting on bangers like that, and that is 100% certified grade A banger. Like, it was that good of a fucking match, okay? Going into this match, I knew these two would have a good match. I didn't know they were going to have a great match. Everything about this from beginning to end was just sensational. All four men definitely earned their paychecks after we saw this match. This was brilliant at its finest. I would go back and watch that over and over again until I got bored and then go back, eat, nap, sleep, do something, and then go back and watch. This was that good. It is that worthy of playback. Seriously. It is that worthy of being played back because it is that damn good of a match. Just like to to even try to even conjure up the the spots we saw in this match would just pretty really much like wreck my brain right now because I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep talking about how all all the adjectives. This is when you have like when I, when I do you know my preview predictions for shows and. And I'm looking up and down the card, and I kind of have, you know, look at the whole situation of what we got there. Like, I'm looking at the Money in the Bank card right now, and and seeing, you know, Money in the Bank ladder match, that's kind of a, you know, a gimme prediction. You know, Liv Morgan was the best, you know, was the right prediction. Uh, go me. Um, And just seeing how the match unfolded, you know, kudos to them putting on a, on a solid opening matchup, you know, and then you see matches like you know the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. You know it's going to be something solid. You know a couple guys you don't normally think are going to win anyway. Omos getting powerbombed through a table, hilarious. Um, and a couple guys having hell of a spot. Even Sami Zayn, you know, haluva kicking Omos was just fucking. You gotta, you gotta get some leg up for that. That's tall boy. You gotta get some. You gotta get some leg up on that one. But hey, kudos to Sami Zayn for that. But when I see the Usos and Street Profits, I already knew this was gonna be a hell of a match. Like you see two teams like the two teams that can work, like the Usos and the Street Profits, you already know going into it, you're gonna get a hell of a match. We didn't, we I don't think anybody expected we were gonna get that match. I don't think anybody expected we were gonna get a match like that at all. And I'm telling you, come December, this will be on a lot of top 10 lists. I promise you that. If I'm lying. I ain't gonna say the rest of it because I'm trying to do stuff today. But y'all know what I'm talking about. But seriously, this match was just fantastic from beginning to end. I would watch it over and over again and never get tired of it. These are one, This is one of those matchups like like the Usos definitely showed the fuck up. The Street Profits definitely showed the fuck up. And I don't like the news of, you know, possibly a split between the Street Profits because that would just be a terrible idea uh, for the simple fact that the division itself it's kind of eh. Right now, we don't need eh. We need a solid division of te- of teams that will put out the very best performance almost every single night they're in that fucking ring. That Team Wrestling is, is quite lost right now. And to to break up a team as damn good as the Street Profits, and y'all better and some of y'all need to start putting some respect on Dawkins' name as much as Ford's and it's one of those things where I'm being seriously honest with y'all like breaking up the Street Profits is just like breaking up you know FTR it doesn't make any fucking sense in the world it doesn't y'all know it as much as I do so hopefully they don't they don't break up the Street Profits they don't need to it just doesn't need to be working and it's just it's just nonsense but this match was definitely worthy of being put in consideration for top 10 match of the year especially for the YLP podcast um Top ten matches of the year. Like this is good. this this makes my decisions harder as it usually does, and we're only in July right now, so I can only expect to see hopefully better things between now and and December thirty first. Um, but hot damn, this was, this could have been the main event anywhere on a card, and I definitely would have been happy uh, going home and seeing that because what we went home with was Theory holding the Money in the Bank briefcase, and um, to some people that may not be the best of ideas. But seriously, we're gonna end the show, of course, as doing what we normally do. Best match of the night, of course, like I stated, Usos versus Street Profits, just absolutely wonderful. I wouldn't go as far as, you know, okay, it's an instant classic, but classic? Give me a few years and I'll come back to you on that. Uh, But this was match of the night, hands down. This was the best match of the night. Um, Nothing could beat that at all. As far as worst match of the night goes, I'm gonna give it to Belair and Carmella. Um, because it was it was just it was a foregone conclusion uh, at this point, and um, not having Rhea Ripley there kind of took away from it a little bit. Because I was expecting wonderful things. I just killed a gnat. That was awesome. Um, but uh, Bella and Carmella was a foregone conclusion. Um, it was going to get her to SummerSlam anyway, so it was no use for this match we could have seen this on raw i would have been perfectly fine with it because carmella would have taken the l anyway and she has two l's in her name she, so either way she was holding one um so yeah that was my worst match of the night sometimes foregone conclusions don't really do it for you they don't do it for me either but mvp i haven't done one of these in a while who was the mvp of money in the bank 2022 and i'm giving it to Liv morgan i am Mm. raspberry lemonade water delicious Liv Morgan gets the MVP Hell, I already gave the Usos and the Tree Profits match tonight please please Liv Morgan becoming Miss Money in the Bank and then becoming Smackdown Women's Champion is definitely a highlight for in, in what is seen to be a, a, a lot of low light going on in WWE at the moment for Liv Morgan to have this moment is a highlight for her of her career, and uh, for a lot of fans, this definitely is a highlight for a lot of us who are who have been, you know, A, wanting to see new stars being built, and Liv Morgan actually becoming champion. Made all the sense in the world to do it, and kudos again to Ronda Rousey for actually, you know, having her back and actually going to bat for her and really sticking her neck out for her and saying, like, she deserves this, you know? So kudos all around with that, bless up. But Liv Morgan deserves this MVP. Liv Morgan deserves to be MVP of SummerSlam for not not only becoming Miss Money in the Bank, but cashing in the same night and uh, becoming SmackDown Women's Champion. So kudos to Liv Morgan, the MVP of Money in the Bank. Now, let's go to the final grade. And, um, final grade. This overall was a good show. Let's, you know, theory-winning Money in the Bank aside... Um, this was a good show Um, now in in my hierarchy you know Solid is in between good and great so and and Decent is underneath good so this was a good pay-per-view overall and you know The Usos and The Street Profits definitely carried it Liv Morgan, uh, Her Night definitely carried it Theory pissed off a lot of people that carried it surprisingly Um, and the rest of the card was kind of eh you know what I mean Lashley winning the U.S. Championship, congratulations to him, but he didn't need it. Um, the Rousey-Natalia match wasn't that bad. It was all right for what, what they were going to do in the end. With the end result, and Bianca Belair Carmella, uh, kind of was just a, a foregone conclusion, if you will. So, in terms of final grid, I give this a nice, wonderful um, B-minus. I think that's good enough. I think that's a good enough grade to go for that. It's teetering on the B minus C plus situation, which where I usually leave it for good shows have been for consistent basis for this past year uh, in terms of WWE programming. But it's a B minus show. This this is a this is a good enough show to you know keep you invested and to keep in you know to kind of have an idea of like you know the ladder matches was definitely going to be you know one of the you were already going to get that the tag team championship was damn good. And, you know, the cash-in, it, it definitely gave it a much better oomph to the show than as opposed to, you know, no one cashing in on the night and, and just having the card straight through. You they have a little bit of intrigue uh, going into that. But, um, yeah, B-minus, I think, would be is, is a good enough grade for this show. It was good, you know, did what it needed to do and definitely, you know, got people excited um, for what, ha- what took place last night. Saturday. So that's where I'm going to leave it. That's going to be it for episode 341 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready and prepared for the four year anniversary show going down next week. We'll be right back. guys that's gonna be it for episode 341 of the YLP podcast as always I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon and your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast and as always I greatly and truly appreciate it guys of course if you have any questions comments, concerns, or anything else about today's episode or any of the other 340 episodes of the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message or an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com You can also leave a voice message for me and WrestleAddict Radio over at anchor.fm slash Perspective and anchor.fm slash WrestleAddict Radio You can also leave a comment over at Ambiguous PodcastSolutions.com If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, you can find me across so plenty of social media platforms, including over at Twitter. You can find me there at YLPerspective. Find me over on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective and find me on Facebook. And good thing all my Instagram posts can just simply go over to Facebook because otherwise I am not on Facebook. But you can find me over there at simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Follow me on all these platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media. Spread the word. Get the word out there about the YLP Podcast and all that good stuff, especially given that next week is the four-year anniversary show. You definitely want to tell your friends about that 100%. Without question, because with the Brace for Impact Podcast, Fretzel Media Podcast, Kings of the Rings Podcast, and the YLP Podcast, we here at WrestleAddict Radio strive to bring you the best, top-notch, entertaining podcast every single week, to be the top of the pops, the cream of the crop, the best of the very best, to be then, now, and forever, THE Alternative professional wrestling podcast to remind you that we are here to stay I know most of y'all do not uh, have the Anchor app or listen to this podcast on the Anchor app and it doesn't hurt my feelings one iota whatsoever because we have plenty of platforms where you can find the entire family of WrestleAg Radio content including you know, Anchor Music, Audible Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, And as always, shout out to the Podbean Gang, CastBox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam! Search for the entire family of WrestleAdded Radio content across all these different platforms and you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. If you did, you probably spelled it wrong, alright? Also, we got a Discord. I don't know if you've, you know, if I told you, probably did once or twice, but if you've forgotten, yes, we have a War Discord here's what you need to do. Simply go over to your Twitter, look and uh, search for Addict underscore Wrestle. That'll be, that's the WrestleAddict Radio homepage over on Twitter. Click on the link tree that's on that we have on there. Phil gives you all of the, uh, the socials and all the stuff for WrestleAddict Radio as a whole. Click on the Discord invitation and our humble, gracious, modest king, Ricky Rosé, will invite you to join the Discord, which you can say, see, hit that, and you're part of the War Discord, and just make sure you say hello to us, because you'll be able to have uh, talk to the entire WrestleMania Radio team, including myself, Fret, uh, you know, K. Murphy, King Ricky Rose, Will, Tara Shook, and of course uh, the returning Nick, the F and great. Glad to have him back in the fold. we will be talking to us uh, and our, our peoples, Kavita, Jermaine, Wade, all of those. You know, join the War Discord. You know, it's a good time. We talk wrestling over there. We talk a lot of stuff over there. It's a hell of a time. Again, just go over to our WrestleGatic Radio homepage, click on that link tree, and hit that invite, and you'll be joining the Discord in no time. It takes you less than five minutes to join join the word Discord today. And I believe I've fulfilled my obligations and all that good stuff for this week looking over to the judges from the country of Canada. And I believe we are getting the thumbs up there. All good to go, even though we, for the, you still want to... Stanley Cup in quite some time. Sorry, friends, I had to say it out loud. It was mean of me, but I live in Colorado, and I gotta respect the abs. Anywho! Next week, to conclude the biggest week in war history so far, it is not only episode 342 of the YLP podcast, but it is the four-year anniversary of the YLP podcast. I've been a podcaster uh, for Four years um, Four years now, it will be on the 18th of this month that I will be um, four years in the game as a solo podcaster, si- almost six years overall as a, a podcaster. Uh, of course, a year and a half solidly with the Wrestling With Issues podcast. And of course, shout out to Nick Dillon and Kevin Obarski for uh, putting me into the game, um, joining their podcast team. Um, and I have just been over the moon about, you know, being a podcaster for the last four years. And then on top of that, being a podcaster... For Wrestle Addict Radio for almost two years now, um, it, it has been a joy. It has been a journey. It has been something I have been enjoying doing uh, since that fateful day in July back in 2018. And uh, I have just I got the itch, and I haven't you know stopped ever since. And I've been putting in um, a lot of work to make this podcast and have this podcast be in the position that's in now. Excuse me. You know, being a part of West Radio really upped my game a little bit, and then coming back and doing, um, getting shows on both my young lines, uh, the YLB Podcast page, and then over in uh Atlantic Radio is a, is a is a blessing in and of itself to be able to doing to be able to be doing this for the war team for almost two years, and then be doing it on my own and making that decision four years almost four years ago. Um, I couldn't believe or think in my wildest dreams that. You know, the things I have done uh, to get to the position to be part of WrestleEdit Radio and then taking that to the next level, it, it has just been a blessing uh, to be doing this for you guys for the last four years. And i have been brutally honest about that. It means a whole lot that you guys come in every week, even when I you know, started my old days, you know, my OG fans know me from, you know, putting in work, you know, doing three episodes a week and all that stuff. And I'll talk about that more next week about, you know, the journey and how I got to where I'm at now. But seriously, this is—I think this mat- it just matters as much to me, almost more than everything. With everything that's going on in the past, you know, year or so, you know, with me moving to Colorado and um, all that's, you know, being this Miss YLP and uh, you know, Mister YLP Junior, and adding more of uh, the the whole into this into this whole, you know, podcast. You know, it's definitely been you know a fantastic chapter, and to now. Be close to beginning my fourth year, you know, doing this, it means more to me than you know. And I'll keep it, you know, short like this. But next week, we will, it, it is a flat out not just a celebration for myself, you know, even though I'm, I'm next week going to be in one hell of a fucking narcissist. Um, but it's also for you guys as well. This is just as much as me as it is you. Because without y'all, me don't do <laughs> this shit, um, you know, any longer than probably a year. But it is because of y'all that I am in this position to celebrate my four years as a solo podcaster. So seriously, um, it, it is, it is going to be a celebration of everything YLP realm oriented, man. It's going to be fun. Going to be, of course, still news of the week and all that stuff. And we're just going to have a grand old fucking time. You, you know, if it's just me, um, you know, you don't make it work for me. You know, I'm having a good time with it regardless. If you know people want to come on, by all means, you are invited to this occasion. Every single one of y'all are cordially invited. To the four-year anniversary show and fortunately, it sucks that i have to wait a week but it's going to be well fucking worth it considering what we have going on this week guys enjoy your the rest of your weekend enjoy your upcoming week i hope it is as prosperous kick ass and everything you want it to be and if not we'll you know we evaluate over the weekend and we'll do it all over again until next week guys enjoy everything that's going on be blessed stay blessed uh, be responsible. Uh, you know, make sure you take that Uber and let home if you're going to be getting turned up this weekend. And uh, I'm going to get the hell out of here because I got things to do. Guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you guys right back here. And I hope y'all are wearing your finest for the four year anniversary show of episode 342 of the YLP podcast. See you. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.